We'll read the eighth lesson uh, responsively together from John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Well, I don't, uh, I don't normally read the Broomhilda comic strip, um, but there it was this last Tuesday, hanging out above my jumble crossword. Uh, so I read it, and I'm glad that I did. In the first panel, two characters named Nerwin and Flossie are talking together, walking together, and Flossie mentioned that she had gotten glasses. And then in the second panel of the strip, which was the largest of the three panels, it showed that they were walking in the woods underneath a canopy of leaves. And Flossie, the one who had gotten the glasses, looked at Nerwin and said, I never knew that I was missing out on such beauty. And then in the third panel, Flossie looked down at Nerwin and delivered the punchline, which I took as a lot more pointed than necessarily funny. She said, sadly, there have also been some jarring disappointments. So who knew? Flossie speaks the truth about seeing clearly, because seeing clearly means seeing everything. Both the beauty and the disappointment, the stuff that we want to see and the stuff that we would rather not see. And I think that that's at the heart of how John tells us about the advent of Jesus. I mean, famously, There are no angelic annunciations in John's story. There's no angelic choirs in his story. There's no shepherds. There's no troubled but kind carpenters. There's no babies leaping in wombs. There is no Mary pondering things in her heart. Instead, John strips everything back. He strips it back to the primordial. He strips it back to the elemental. His story of Jesus' advent is filled with the stark and muscular realities that lie behind all of your experience and all of mine. He talks about the truth that lies behind every other truth. The beginning 
the word, life, light, darkness, God, the beauty and the disappointment, the stuff that we want to see and the stuff that we would rather not see, they are all mixed together in John's story of the advent of Jesus. John starts at the beginning, he goes back to the very beginning, and he says, Jesus made this place. This place where you and I live our everyday lives, it is in fact the theater of Jesus' glory, and it is very, very good to him, and he loves it. And you and I, the pinnacle of that good creation, we too are very, very good to him. And we are the objects of his fierce love. Like John says, without him there was not anything made that was made. And so John wants us to know, if we want to understand what the coming of Jesus really means, what it's really all about, then we have to start by thinking about a God who has an incalculable stake in the good of this world, and especially in the good of his children who live in it. Jesus made this place, and it is very good to him, and he loves it, and he has a stake in it. Otherwise, this story doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, why, why would Jesus leave his father's side? Why would he leave all of the glory, all of the unspeakable love that he knew there? Why would he wander around in his own world, constantly whispered about, constantly misunderstood by his closest friends, by by his family? Why would he grapple every day of his adult life with ridiculously self-righteous people? Why would he risk his already shaky reputation by hanging out with bad men and notorious women? Why would he submit to sham trials and beatings and abuse? Why would he let himself be nailed to a cross and let thugs mock him while he died? Why would he, as John put it so starkly, why would he gladly be born into a world that largely didn't know him or even want him? To a people who didn't have the slightest interest in receiving him. I mean, when you start asking those questions, the temptation to sentimentalize Jesus' birth pretty much evaporates. When you think about those questions, you start to wonder, is this the most tragic thing we've ever heard of? Is this the most embarrassing misstep we can imagine? Unless, of course, there is something else going on. Unless Jesus knew what was up and he was quite aware of the reception that he would receive unless he knew how dark this place was and how lost his children were, and that that was precisely the reason why the Word became flesh and lived among us. This is his world, and we are his people, and nothing, nothing could have kept him away. As John says it, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus has a stake in this world. It is very good to him, and he loves it. And so here's what this means for people like you and me sitting here on the third Sunday in Advent in Chicago, 2017. Here's, here's what this means. It means as we make our way through this broken and hurting city, 
as we do that with whatever our personal thing is that we're going through, and so many of us are going through things under which we bend and sometimes break, as we make our way through this world that is broken and hurting, as we see all of the darkness that's in it, we need to remember Jesus has a stake in this place. He made this place, and it's good to him, and he loves it. It is not forgotten by him. It is not overlooked by him. This is the place to which Jesus came to kick away the darkness. And even though it seems unlikely to us, and honestly a little bit unbelievable to us, one of the preferred ways that Jesus now kicks away the darkness is through you and me. Because of his incarnation and life and death and resurrection and ascension, we have received, as John puts it later, we have received grace upon grace. That life that John says is the light of men, it has become our life, yours and mine. And that means that his loves are our loves. He has shared his vocation with us. And he's given us everything that we need to live it out. I mean, that's what John says about the church. To all who did receive him, to who believed on his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. And so if that's who you are, if you have believed in his name, then you need to know for sure that you have been made a part of the family. one of God's children whose vocation it is to be like our older brother, to kick away the darkness through speaking and through acting out the gospel everywhere we are. A faithful response to Jesus' incarnation is to roll up our sleeves and to take up that calling. But there's another thing that all of this means for people like you and me too. That sadness that you feel at the loss of someone that you love? Or the uncertainty that you feel about your own health or the health of someone who is near and close to you? Jesus has a stake in that. The pain of that broken relationship that you are pretty sure cannot be mended and fixed? Jesus has a stake in that. The addiction that batters you, that haunts you almost every day of your life, Jesus has a stake in that. The darkness that you feel sometimes creeping in because of the abuse that you have suffered, listen, Jesus has a stake in that. The concern that you have for your children, the trust that you're worried has been lost in your marriage, Jesus has a stake in that. Because these two are the darknesses that Jesus came to kick away. They are not unknown to him. They are not forgotten to him. They are not overlooked by him. He came to find precisely those places. Nothing would have kept him away. 
And so a faithful response to his coming is to actually let him into those places so that he can do his gracious work. Let Jesus enter into those places with the word that John says ringing in your ears. The word became flesh and lived among us and we have behold, we have beheld his glory. We have seen it. The glory as of the only son from the father. Full of grace and truth. Amen.